Welcome to Squaring the Circle, the podcast where I chat to creative business owners to see how they balance the art and the business. Voiceover artist Liz Drury, welcome to Squaring the Circle. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Um, I'd like to, I was looking at your website just before um, coming on the call, doing a bit of uh, research. Um, and there was a certain line that really made an impact on me, actually. Um, and it's uh, it's where you mentioned bringing the script alive, mm. uh, which I was, uh, yeah, I just love the thought of that. Um, so, yeah, what does bringing the script alive mean to you? Well, let's let's say that I'm recording something like a, an, an e-learning project. I, I record a lot of e-learning narration for all sorts of different industries. And some of them can be really quite long courses. And, you know, I know people are going to have to sit there with their headphones on listening to me for hours and on, on end. So if I don't make that script sound interesting, they're quickly going to switch off and probably not learn anything. So, you know, to me, bringing the script to life means making it in sounding, you know, sound interesting to the the uh, the listener or the learner. And, um, you know, so it's not just dry words on a page that I'm reading in a really monotone way that people are just going to switch off from it's actually you know some intonation in my voice and yeah, a little bit of excitement maybe um you know and 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 stressing the important words and you know, just making the script sound alive for the listener so they don't go to sleep on me <laughs> absolutely yeah um the so that's that's great thank you so go, going back um to where to where you first started um which uh which is always yeah having these chats is always nice because you just even before the conversation you learn a, a bit more about the guest anyway but you've got a phd in archaeological sciences which is amazing um but sort of going on from that uh i was really interested to to read that when you started your voiceover work um and to a certain extent your presenting work which you did you had no formal training um, but nope. you kind of just took to it. It was like a natural talent. Where do you think that natural talent came from? Well, it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think that it, although it seems that archaeological science has got nothing to do with what I'm doing now, I think that there is a connection. Um, when I was first, you know, when I was an undergraduate student, I absolutely hated public speaking. It was just, you know, <laughs> my worst nightmare. And if I ever had to you know, give a presentation in front of my, my tutor group, I would just go to pieces. I couldn't stand it. Anyway, I went on and, 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 and studied for a PhD. And as a PhD student, you do have to give quite a lot of presentations about your work and you have to present your work at conferences. And I guess I just got more used to it. And I think if you if you really know your subject, it isn't so scary because you know, there aren't many questions people are going to ask you that you're not going to know the answer to because you're you're the expert in such a narrow little field when you're doing a PhD. And so I got to the point where I I, I didn't mind doing the um you know the public speaking anymore. And and also when I was doing my PhD, um my my work was picked up by the national newspapers. I'd I'd written an article about prehistoric chewing gum, which is one of the things that I've been looking at. And I think it must have been a really slow news week because the press picked up this story and I was interviewed on Radio One, Radio Five Live, Radio Four, uh, lots of local radio stations. And my work was reported in The Times, The Telegraph, The Observer, The Mail, The Express and lots of local newspapers, too. 
And during the sort of fortnight where there was it, things were going a bit crazy, I got to know the people in the university PR department quite well. And they had a little recording studio, which I used to go into to record the radio interviews um, because they, they had, a, had a link, uh, an ISDN line that would link to radio stations. So it sounded like I was in the studio with the presenter. And, you know, I found myself sitting in front of this microphone waiting to, you know, to, to connect to the station thinking, I'm really enjoying this. This is really good fun. So I think that's kind of where the seed was sown, really, for sort of presenting and uh, and um, voiceover work where, when I was doing my PhD. But like you say, I didn't have any uh, formal training uh, in that, uh, at least at least to start with. It's interesting that you said you were in the booth and you, you said you were enjoying it. Um, so it just... It was a right fit for you at that time. It just sort of felt natural to you, which is really, which is amazing, isn't it? Because you can do so many things in life, and it feels like you're you're wading through treacle. <laughs> However much you practice, you know, you you don't have that kind of natural talent for it or natural ability, I suppose. Um, yet you're in that booth having no experience, thinking, "Oh, actually, mm. this this fits quite well," which is a lovely place to start, I suppose. Having that. Um, having that natural ability. Just before we we hit record, you mentioned um, business coaching, mm. and, and uh, which is which is something new to you. I've I've had a bit of business coaching in, in the past. Found find it incredibly um, incredibly useful. But what you, what you did say that was interesting is that you spend an hour with someone, and it takes ten hours to sort of <laughs> reflect and and sort of put that into practice. So how, how have you how have you found? Um, yeah, I suppose what led up to you um, wanting to have a business coach yeah it's something that I've been thinking about for for a while and the, the coach that I'm now working with I've known for a number of years um, and I met her through networking we're both members of uh, 4N networking uh, in the pre-pandemic days when we used to always meet uh, once a fortnight in person um, so I've known about her and known about what she does for a long time and I'd been to um you know, a couple of um, workshops that she put on for, you know, a number of people all at once. And I always liked what she had to say and the way that she went about things. And so I, I got to the point in my business where I thought, you know, I, I'm doing doing lots of stuff and I think I'm doing it pretty well, but I'm sure there's other things that I could be doing. And I think it's really valuable to get somebody else's eyes on your business um, you know, and, and have a look at what you're doing and, and you're able to make make suggestions. And I've had three sessions with her now. We meet meet uh, online once a month for an hour. Um, and she's just given me so many ideas. Um, and, and, and also she's very well connected too. Uh, in fact, I will be seeing her tomorrow at a networking meeting. I haven't seen her in person for probably about a year. Um, so, I, so I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, I said to her today at the end of our call, I said, you know, after an hour with you, Sheena, I feel like I've got, I need about 10 hours to process what we, what we just talked about. Um, because yeah, she's come up with lots of different ideas that I, I need now to go and go away and look at properly and um, and start implementing as well. And is, and is that ideas for um, new avenues for work or sort of... Um pivoting as well about two or three years ago everyone was pivoting weren't they but um you know pivoting in the business or um and and is there a sort of uh I know that whenever I speak to someone and they're giving ideas I think you're totally right by the way having someone not connected with the business that mm -hmm. can look at it in very black and white terms is brilliant um but I know if anybody's ever given me ideas I'm I'm so excited and it, it sort of keeps the motivation up doesn't it mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah is, are you sort of excited 
to you know in the next six months to a year when when you're going to implement these things yeah definitely and you know she came up with things like having the thought of um and it, it is sort of new avenues to explore for that that might lead to work um you know, especially working with more small businesses um you know the kind of people that i'm likely to meet at networking meetings um so yeah, she's given me some ideas about that she's given me some ideas about about marketing uh about lead magnets yeah so much stuff so you've got your homework I have got my homework to do. And uh, her name's Sheena Wyatt, by the way, I ought to mention who she is. Sheena Wyatt. Um, Kapow is her is her sort of brand name, Kapow Coaching. And oh, uh, nice, she's, nice she's bit of free advertising for her. So yeah. that's good. No problem. <laughs> yeah. um, I, what I took from that, well, there's a couple of things, but one thing that um, I enjoyed about that is the fact that you, you've only just started working with her, but you've known her for so long, mm. which really... Um, speaks to the long game doesn't it with with networking which we will talk about because obviously you're an incredible networker and you've done lots of things around networking so we'll 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 come to that but yeah I love the fact that it's you 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 may need to sort of know someone for a number of years potentially before before it's right for that relationship to go forward Mm. um and so there's a I think there's a great lesson there in that networking or any marketing shouldn't really be seen as right put some money into it and then tomorrow you get you get the returns Mm -hmm. yeah um so going to networking you've done I didn't realize but you've done a networking course and um uh which you which you advertise on your website which looks great obviously you you network a lot you you have a networking podcast everything is well a lot of your ecosystem is based Mm -hmm. around networking for the people that haven't done too much networking um why should they bother (laughs) i think you know particularly if you're a sole trader like me and you know you're sort of working in isolation networking is so important because you know who's going to do your marketing for you there's only you to spread the word word about what you do by going networking and getting to know other people um you know ideally in your local area i think that that does work really well um you know and spreading the word about what you do you kind of get them on board as your marketing team or almost once you've got to know them really well and they sort of know you like you trust you you know it's and even if they don't necessarily need your services if they ever come across somebody who does they're going to put your name forward and they're going to help you spread the word about what you do um and it, it and it's not just about well it's never really about going you never go to a networking meeting wanting to get leads because that's kind of not really how it works it, it is the long game as as you said before but the other thing that you get from networking is is a support network. Um, you know, I think particularly around the time of COVID when nobody knew what was going on from one day to the next, having those networks was so important and you know, everybody sort of swiftly moved online and the networks that I had been going to in person were now in, in the virtual space, but people were still there, um, you know, and, and there was just somebody, you know, there at the end of the day who knew what you were going through um, that you could discuss things with and so I think you know having that that support there um, and now that we're sort of back out of the, the COVID times again it's still really useful you know because anytime you you need a service in your in your business you can ask your network and say I need somebody who's a business coach or an accountant or a graphic designer and people will come to you with with you know 
their, their recommendations for people. And so you're never really kind of shooting in the dark anymore well, yeah, when, when you need a product or a service because you've got that network that you can turn to and say, who can you recommend for me? Rather than you just turning to Google and thinking, well, I don't know who's good. <laughs> you know, you've you've got people there who can tell you who who they know, like and trust and it will put forward to you. Did you discover this quite early, quite early on in, in your business or did you take um, a bit of time? Quite early. And thanks to the fact that my um, my employment before I became fully self-employed was at a, a local sixth form college. And part of my role there was to make connections between the college and uh, local business community. And so the college belonged to some local networks, including the Chamber of Commerce, um, and something called the Business Hive, which is local to me. And so they'd paid for those memberships and they would send me along to go and talk to people about the college and how business people could get involved. Um, and they they knew that I was also building up my own business and they didn't mind the fact that I took along my own business cards as well. So depending on who I was talking to, I could have a conversation about the college or I might be having a conversation about my own business or about both indeed. Um, and so that was, that was a great introduction to networking, really doing it for somebody else to start with. Um, and then when I ultimately left the college, I joined those networks myself, you know, as as my own business. Um, and so I, I already had kind of built a network that I hadn't had to pay for, which was nice. It's a win-win then, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I'm sure you've um I'm sure you've uh attended lots of amazing and good groups over the years, networking groups, but how can people what are the red flags for people um that may attend some networking groups and they think god this is this is not for me or um or for whatever reason it doesn't work out for them are there any red flags for you um that that you look out for if you're attending networking groups you know i say to people it's worth trying a few different groups because there are lots of different styles of networking um you know and I, i've tried lots of different ones from the completely informal where you basically just walk into a room full of people and there might be a glass of wine and a, and a sandwich but you've just got to get on and talk to people right through to the other end of the spectrum something like bni which is very formal um you know there are things that are, are expected of you week in week out and i think both things work but it's just kind of what suits your personality um you know and i've tried all these sorts of different networkers and, and, and actually i've I quite like all of them. You know, I've been a member of BNI. I've been a member of Four Networking. I belong to some, you know, really informal networks where you just turn up and have a bacon sandwich, um, and, and and I like them all. Um, but not every network is for every person. Um, and so, you know, what the advice that I would give to people is to go go and try a few things and see see what suits you. Uh, you know, some people really hate the having to stand up in front of the room and give their 60 second pitch, for example, uh, which you're expected to do at something like BNI or, or 4N, uh, whereas the informal ones, as long as you don't mind breaking into other people's conversations, <laughs> then, uh, then maybe that, that would suit you better than standing up in front of the room. But you know, I think you know, particularly now that there are, you know, we're back to where there's, there's things going on that are face-to-face -face, and there's still plenty online at all different times of the day. There's, I think there's pretty much something to suit everybody out there now. Yeah, there certainly is a huge amount of choice, isn't there? Definitely. So apart from networking, we're we'll, we'll sort of sticking with the business for the time being. Um, apart from the networking, where where does the majority of your 
um, business come from? Obviously, you've been in the um, you, you've been established for over 10 years. So a lot mm. of it, I presume, will be word of mouth. But is there anything over the years that's been um, really successful that you'd like to pass on? Yes. The other thing that I that I've done for my business um, was a course back in 2018 uh, called League of List Builders, which is run by a guy called Jonathan Tilly. Um, and he's uh, he's a voiceover artist, but he's also um, he also has a lot, a lot of coaching, sort of um, business coaching, marketing coaching in, in particular. And his his course, League of List Builders, is is all about building up your um, your email contacts, basically. And and he take he teaches the best way to sort of reach out to people via a cold email. Um, and he has this whole system which I now use pretty much on a daily basis in my business. So if I reach out to, um, you know, I, I go on Google and I look for production companies, for example, and I see one, I think, oh, I'd like to work with them. So I find the name of the person because it's always better if you can send a your personalized email. So I'll send them a personalized email, but I won't stop at one email if they don't respond. Um, you know, Jonathan has this five step follow up formula, as he calls it. And so if they don't respond to the first email, there's a second one and there's a third one, a fourth one, a fifth one. And I think this is where a lot of people kind of give up in terms of email marketing. They'll send one email and if they don't get a response, they think, oh, well, they weren't interested in me. But often that isn't the case. You know, think about how many emails you get in a day and how many you actually respond to. <laughs> it's not that many because you you, you can't. Um, you know, and often something will come into my inbox and I'll think, oh, that's interesting. I'll deal with that later. And I don't because another hundred emails come in and it gets buried. So you have to kind of keep reminding people and say, oh, you know, by the way, <laughs> I emailed you last month about blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I'd still love to make contact with you. And yeah, that, that's what Jonathan teaches in his course. And that's what I now do every day. And you know, aside from the networking, that's probably the thing that has brought me the most you know, success in terms of bringing leads in into my into my business um so yeah so the so networking the league of list builders um and of all the social media platforms linkedin is the one that 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 you know i i, I like the best and does does the best for me i think because you know i i'm i'm business to business and linkedin is still the most sort of businessy of all the all the social media platforms so i you know, i do like using that one um the email marketing is fascinating five follow-ups wow that that's um, that's not giving up is it um if and i don't know if you've done the, the 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 numbers behind it but if you're sending out you know 100 100 emails to to businesses do you know what the response rate is roughly about 10% i think okay. i know jo jonathan has you know done, done the stats on uh, huge numbers um but it is really interesting how the second and the third emails probably get more response than the first one. Um, and and you think by the fifth and final email, well, actually it's the sixth email because you send one, then you send five follow-ups. Um, and you might be thinking, why well, is it worth sending this, this last email? And I've often been surprised by people that have come back to me and said, oh, thank, thanks for being persistent. You know, we're not ignoring you. We're just busy. And, you know, yes, we'll add you to, to our, our database of voiceover artists or whatever. And I had, I had one, last year 
where I'd sent all five follow-up emails. I didn't get response from any of them. Then out of the blue, this woman got hold of me and said, oh, I'm looking for a voiceover artist for this e-learning course. Are you interested? Um, and that turned into over £5,000 worth of work. <laughs> so it just shows it's, it's worth not giving up. That's amazing. Um, I, I, I had an email back. Um, this is a few, <laughs> this is a few months ago. And, um, I, about, it's probably five, five or six years ago, I was, um, drinking a beer that I really liked. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll reach out to that brewery to see if they need any photos at that time. Mm. And, uh, and got no response and that was fine. Just thought, thought nothing of it. But as I said, a few months ago, I got a response and I've never waited so long for an email. <laughs> and the irony is, is it came in um, and I said, God, I don't even remember sending this. Obviously traced it back to five or six years ago, which is the yeah, longest I've ever waited for a response. Got back to them straight away. And then they blanked me again. <laughs> but, but, uh, but the lesson there is, and I'm really pleased that you you had some good news because the lesson that you, you never, you do never know when it's, when someone sees that email they might have flagged it but as you say um, a flurry of emails mm. in or they're doing something else and then it just slips their mind so that's that's the secret source isn't it those follow-ups i think yeah yeah and yeah when, when your first email lands it might not be the right time for them to work with you they haven't got anything that they can give you at that time so they don't bother to respond but you know sometimes third fourth fifth email something has come up and suddenly they do need what you do mm, yeah that is interesting. Um, okay, yeah. So we've got we've got the networking and the and the, the cold emails. That sounds a really sort of valuable course that you went on. Um, that's uh, that's something that whatever. Why I like that is whatever stage people are at, um, whether they're very whether they're beginning or they're very established, but you know still need to keep that pulse going, that momentum going. People can always use that, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We've nearly come to the end, but we've still got three questions to go. So, yeah, the, the first question of the three is how do you find how I'll start again. How do you define success and what does it look like for you in your business? I think very different to what I thought it was going to be when I started out. <laughs> so um, when I started out in voiceover, I thought, yeah, when I get myself an agent, I'll have made it and they'll be sending me lots of great auditions and lots of great work and uh, that, that you know, I'll be really successful when I've got an agent. And I now know <laughs> that having an agent really doesn't change that much at all. <laughs> so my definition of success now, I think, is to be in a position uh, where I'm getting consistent work. And, you know, because when you start out, you might get the odd job here and there and there's a big gap in between. Um, but I think you're know, having consistent work and having repeat business, you're having clients that trust you enough that they come back to you again and again and hopefully again. Um, I think that's that's now my definition of, of success, having that those repeat clients and work on a regular basis. Just um, something off that question um, with your with your working. I mean, I know voiceover sometimes you can have really quick turnaround um and clients want something yesterday which of course you just need to fit in somewhere in the day mm -hmm. but generally speaking how does your how does the balance of your working week work do you are you quite structured or um do you split your day or do you just sort of um yeah how how, do, how does it work in terms of your, <laughs> your working week well 
every day is different oh. and and voiceover is often the last piece of the puzzle when people are putting you know, a video together for example and often they don't think about it until <laughs> they need it and so it is often I'll get an email you know, we need this yesterday that happens so often and generally I will wake up on a Monday morning and I'm unemployed and I don't know what I'm going to be doing that week um, and things do have very quick turnarounds so I've had uh, a couple of in in inquiries this afternoon one I'm now waiting for the script to come in one I've got the scripts and I need to go and record it and and those are required by tomorrow um, but I didn't know that those were coming for, you know, this, this morning so I tend to you know, have things in my diary, like networking meetings, for example, or um, you know, webinars that I want to attend. Um, and so if I haven't got any work, that's what I will do. I will do some marketing or I'll go to a networking meeting. But if some work comes in, and particularly if it's something like an e-learning project that can be quite long, and still they tend to want them to turn around pretty quickly, I might have to bin the webinar I was going to go to and do the work instead. Um, so I've always got things in my diary, uh, whether whether it's paid work or not. <laughs> I'm, and we will go on to the second question, but something you just said there is really interesting, is that you, you said that you wake up on a Monday morning and effectively you're unemployed. How, um, and lots of people will be able to relate to that in the in the creative industry. How do you deal with that? And does it get easier? Does it get easier? Um, I think I think it does because you you after you've been doing it for a few years, you start to kind of trust the process and that things you will get things in the week, even though you don't know what they're going to be at the start of the week. Um, it 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 is always a bit worrying if you have a quiet period and you haven't you know nothing's come in for sort of two or three four days and you start to think oh well where's everybody gone then. And then you have to remind yourself that this does happen periodically because that's just the nature of being a freelancer. Um, you know, work, work can be like buses. You know, some weeks can be really, really busy and other weeks can be really, really quiet. Um, and it's hard to predict when those busy weeks are going to be. Um, and I think it is just something that you do you do get used to and you think and then you think, OK, it's quite nice that I'm quiet at the moment because I can get this done instead and write this blog or whatever it was on your your list of your long list of things that you wanted to do. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess being freelance isn't for the faint hearted, really, is it? It really isn't. No, no. Um, yeah, people that are not self-employed see the, um, the freedom and the not having the boss and yeah, sort of this this. Sort of fairy tale life of just getting out of bed when you like and, and sort of doing some work at some point but yeah uh the reality is work the, re the reality is wake up on a monday morning and being self um, unemployed sometimes but yeah but i think i think you have to be really disciplined and you know i i'm always up about half past six i get up i walk my dog and i'm generally at my desk by about half past eight um whether there's work booked in the diary or not because there's always things to do there's always marketing to do there's always you know emailing people that you want to work with or writing linkedin posts or or, or whatever um and i think that i think you have got to be disciplined if you want to be successful uh you know so i'll start work at half past eight you know i'll have a break at sort of 12 half past 12 get some lunch i'll walk the dog uh and then go back to back to work again and usually finish around about about six 
Uh, although I may not finish because, you know, being in an industry where I can work with people on the other sides of the world, um, you know, I might get um, a, a late evening session where somebody in New York or whatever want, wants wants my services uh, and I might have to work in the evening. I try not to work in the evenings. I've got other things I want to be doing. But, um, you know, I, I do think that you need to have, um, you know, a, a plan to sit down at your desk at this time and you're going to be there till this time and work on your business if you're not working in your business. Absolutely. Yeah. And what about weekends? So I try not to work at weekends. Sometimes I do have to, mm. um, you know, particularly if if I get a, like a long e-learning project, for example, uh, and there's a tight deadline and I've already got other stuff booked in, then I might have to work later into the evenings and I might have to work at the weekends. But generally, I try not to. Mm. Yeah, that's something that I've tried to probably about a year ago, I thought Sunday's it, I, I'm, I'm fine working six days you know sometimes shoots on saturdays but sundays day off and and if i want to do some work well that's my choice but yeah absolutely nothing else um in the diary yeah good okay well that was a bit of a tangent this wasn't it so um, but we're, we're back we're back on track now um and the tangent was all my fault um so uh number two of three uh for your chosen profession what is the book or resource that has had the biggest impact on you? I think, well, probably when I started out um, and the first training that I had, um, I was living in the States at the time that I started my business. Uh, we were over there due to my husband's job um, and I didn't have a work permit, at least to start with. So I used the opportunity to train um, and, you know, I'd done a bit of voiceover work when I'd worked at the TV studios, but I hadn't had any formal training. Um, and so I thought that's what I would, would pursue would be voiceover. And I found this company called Edge Studio, who are based in New York, but they had a satellite recording studio in Washington, D.C., which is about 40 minute drive from where we lived. And what I really liked about Edge Studio, I, you know, I did a lot of research about who could help me you know, um, train in voiceover and get my first demos made. And I read lots of good things about Edge Studio. And what I really liked about them was that they won't just train anybody. They make everybody go through a, a bit of a selection process to start with. So I had to go along on a Saturday morning with about 10 other people to the studio in Washington, D.C. And we all had to record various pieces of copy. We had to listen back to each other. We had to critique each other. And then the next day, the tutor then got in touch and, and told people, whether he thought it was worth their time and the money going through the the, the training process because it because it wasn't cheap, um, and I thought that was quite you know a really fair thing to do. And obviously they don't want to waste their own time either, um, and they, so they 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 took me on. And I remember quite clearly the first coaching session that I had with with one of my voiceover coaches, um, and 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 he said to me, he said, "You already sound." pretty professional and I said well you know I have done some because I worked at a tv studio but I had I've never had any training and I said I said the way that I feel is that I, I don't know what it is I don't know <laughs> and as it turned out there was a lot that I didn't know uh, once we started going going through the training and so I think that was really valuable okay Liz so uh just before we go on to the last question do you want to tell everybody listening where people can find you uh, online Absolutely. So my website address is very easy. It's uh, lizdrury.co.uk. Um, and I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn. So if anyone would like to find me on LinkedIn, again, if you search for Liz Drury and, you know, or Liz Drury voiceovers, uh, I'm pretty sure that I will pop on LinkedIn and I'd be happy to connect with people. 
Perfect. Thank you very much. So last question. Uh, in one sentence, what one piece of advice would you give a person starting in your industry tomorrow? So I get approached by a lot of people who um, would like to be voiceover artists. And I always tell them the same thing, that they should seek out some training um, to find out what it is they don't know <laughs> about voiceover. And you know, I have a number of different places that I can recommend people, uh, you know, whether they're in the, the UK or the US, you know, I, I, I've got people in both places that I can point them towards. But I think it is it is really important. It's a very competitive industry. And I think even more so, this is more than one sentence now. Sorry, Ben. Um, no, no, you crack on. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's become even more competitive since the pandemic, because um yeah, what happened during the lockdown was all the theatres shut for a start so suddenly all these out of work actors thought oh what can I do I know I can do voice acting and got themselves set up at home but also a lot of people were were furloughed or made redundant and thought what can I do from home to make money oh how about being a voiceover artist and so there was a flood of people into the marketplace now some of those people like the actors have gone back to work now um but you know some people have have stuck around in the industry and you know, the, the pay-to-play sites that i mentioned earlier on have definitely got far more members than they had when i was starting out 10 years ago and so i think you know the way i started which was basically getting some work on the pay-to-play sites without having any training or without having a demo um I'm not sure that anybody would be able to do that now because those marketplace are so crowded. You have got to be able to stand out. Um, so I would recommend people, you know, get some training, get people to have a listen to your voice and see what kind of genres of voiceover your voice would be suited to, um, you know, and, 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 and start from a place of knowledge uh, rather than the place of ignorance like I did. <laughs> But what it does show, what what it does show is there's there's multiple ways to skin a cat, doesn't it? Because although you probably wouldn't advise starting the way you started, um, you you like most things, you learn as you go anyway. Yeah, don't you? yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and and you are where you are now, so it's worked out all right for you. <laughs> it's worked out fine for me. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, Liz, thank you so much for um, this amazing chat. I've really, really had a good time. So I hope you have too. Um, I'll let I'll let you get back to the rest of your um, scripts now. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me on Square in Circle. Thanks for having me, Ben. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Squaring the Circle. If you want to support the show, you can do two things. Number one, you can subscribe. And number two, you can leave a review. Thanks very much and I'll see you soon.